Hey everyone, welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of Guards of Eden. Today's guest is Hannah Lewin. I have a great amount of respect for the way that Hannah goes about her business. She's a fantastic spin instructor. She's a PT as well as a mum. And she works with female-only clients, which I found very interesting. And it's clear that she's built a really inviting and welcoming space for people to build a healthy relationship with exercise and enjoy themselves whilst they're doing it. And we cover a whole bunch about her story. But once again, I have a ton of ton of respect for the way that Hannah goes about her life. And I really, really loved our conversation. So without further ado, three, two, one, enjoy. Hey, Hannah, how are you doing? Hey, good. Yeah. So good to be here. Always a pleasure. Oh, thanks. You too. <laughs> Thank you. So the first question, can you give me a song that reminds you of a good time in your life or a happy moment? Absolutely. And it's actually, there is a song that comes to mind, but it's from an album, which is The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, which Win. is potentially one of the best albums ever written ever completely agree i know right it's so good it's so good so it's the song that i really love from it is everything is everything and i i know i know we love her we we, she's obviously completely mad but you know i just uh, yeah i think when when that album came out 20 years ago i think i kind of just it was i think it's over 20 or 21 it was the 20th anniversary this year so i remember being like let's say 20 years younger let's not go into Uh, it um but yeah i just kind of remember being like a teenager and just loving this album and just kind of this energy and this kind of message that this very strong woman yeah. gave and obviously it was then that kind of messaging from strong women was going to be quite an influence in my life yes. going forward I didn't know it at the time but yeah so definitely that would be just a really That's, good a good time how long have you been in the fitness industry I have been in the fitness industry for about five years now ah, okay. mm. um, what were your impressions early on I think when I joined, when I joined, when I kind of started working in the fitness industry, as I say, like five years ago, we were kind of in the grips of this whole like clean eating thing. Ah, okay. It was kind of, you know, this people were kind of making stuff out of cauliflower all the yeah. time, you know, mm-hmm. it was kind of like cauliflower mash and kind of people making brownies out of, how do they use brownies? I can't even think, you know, just kind of, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and it was just all a bit mad. So it was a lot of clean eating, a lot of kind of no rest days, lot, you know, it was quite an aggressive time in, in, in fitness really and that really had never suited sort of me or my personality I very much loved I love being active I love being you know kind of fit physically fit but for me like when I, I was part of a running club at the time and I just kind of used to go and enjoy feeling that I was getting quicker or that you know my 5k 10k dime whatever was coming down um so my, my first impressions were that it was quite an aggressive place and honestly I didn't know if it was going to be for me or if it was going to be somewhere that I would have any longevity because I felt that my personal beliefs and morals and my personality and my body type <laughs> and all you know, my body shape and all these my age also were kind of the complete opposite spectrum to what I was seeing you know promoted very heavily none of those things for me yeah the body shape thing is so Mm. interesting yeah because i've been fortunate now i think because of now is like the first time i've really looked at like i guess fitness people i've never i've never really been interested in it but Mm. kind of as i've moved from just being in the gym doing my own thing and kind of opening my eyes to different types of places i've become a lot more aware of the female like experience in terms of yeah this idea of there's like a template of what a woman should look like if you're Absolutely. going to be in fitness and, yeah but then i know all these fantastic women that don't have that body type and that uh-huh. are like doing amazing things yeah how is it 
like how was that kind of coming into the fitness world and that being the case I think it made me question myself a lot of the time I think like um when I kind of qualified and then not so much with PT but when I started teaching cycle um and you're suddenly in an arena of you know between sort of 40 to 60 bikes and you know you're very aware that you're on a podium and every single person in that room is looking to you they're looking to you for instruction for the class um but ultimately, you know, you are up there on on display. You know, you're kind of you know peacocking as we as we call it. I mean, you're you're very much there, and and people can look at you. They can make judgment on your body type, comment on your body type, whatever. Yeah, it's 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 a lot. It can be a lot sometimes. Even now, you know, I, I feel like I'm more body confident than I have been for years. But I think when I first kind of got into it, I did did make me question that. Oh, maybe I shouldn't be wearing a sports bra, and maybe I should be wearing a vest top and all these kind of things. And maybe I you know need to look a certain way to wear what I wanted to wear and what I was comfortable in. Um, but I kind of just stopped giving a shit after a while you know <laughs> I just was like mm, this is kind of me if you like my class fine come if you don't cool yeah, yeah there's a million other instructors that you can go to exactly <laughs> the benefit of working in London mm-hmm. blessed curse as it were absolutely um were you into fitness a lot when you were younger yes so my my I guess my kind of fitness story is not the typical I never exercised when I was younger and you know I, I did I was always quite active I was quite into cross country when I was at school cross country running so we had um we kind of would do sort of 850 meters 1500 meters they were my kind of two races um I enjoyed things like in you know, a netball to quite a high standard at school and and that kind of thing so I, I was always active I, you know I certainly was never that sedentary but again, for more of a social thing, really, I grew up in the middle of nowhere. So it was nice to have, even though I was born in London, we kind of moved down. Yeah. So it was good to have, I guess, yeah, a bit of a social life from it also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always loved that about team sports. Mm. It's been massive. Yeah. So what was young Hannah like? Oh, my God. <laughs> Bossy. <laughs> Very dramatic. Um yeah, I think that my family would perhaps describe me as... I mean, I'd use the word determined. They'd probably say bossy, but I think that's just use my word. Yeah, yeah I, I just, I just, you know, I think I've always had quite an independent streak. Um, I moved out when I was very young. I kind of always wanted to do things for myself and kind of almost by myself. Um, I certainly don't think I was ever, you know, completely awful or, or really, you know, rude or obnoxious or anything I just think I've always been quite independent and you know quite driven which obviously now has stood me in good stead but yeah I did love a bit of Amdram I was into the old drama oh, really? I used to make my brother and my sister and my cousins kind of do these productions so we would like they literally it was ridiculous so we would act at musicals in the lounge and things oh, like cute. I would do I would make them do like Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat and like I would be the narrator always because always, yeah and, like tell them what to do but no I yeah so yeah definitely that's so bit dramatic bit independent so did you have just the one brother the one sister yes yeah, yeah. and where did you fall in that oldest middle I'm oldest really yeah so I had two to boss around and <laughs> put my brother in a skirt and that kind of thing and make him do shows and now and again we, I would make him do a circus <laughs> so oh. we would just sat down at the circus um yeah so you know I was the oldest oh that's so interesting yeah and that's probably why you were independent, I'm assuming. I think so. And also my, my, my father died when I was very young. So we had, um, you know, suddenly I think at the age of, of sort of 12, I was then put into this, not put, that sounds, that sounds wrong. I was kind of then given, I guess, this role of kind of half sibling, because I'm mm. quite a bit older than my brother and my sister. This kind of role of sort of sibling, but also, I guess, kind of, kind of surrogate parent almost so I would um you know pick my sister up from school and help my brother and that kind of thing so I think yeah that was um the kind of relationship we had really that's fair enough Hmm. who were some role models that you had growing up my grandmother really 100% and what endeared you to her in terms of that one 
she unfortunately like we lost her a couple of years ago but um when my when my father died but also before we were incredibly close she was the most um kind of elegant you know that kind of that old school kind of like 1940s glamour you know <laughs> that's just a real vibe she was the most glamorous the most the kindest person the you know the one that always kind of i could go to with with anything and um yeah, she always kind of encouraged this kind of like independent kind of streak that I had. Without doubt, she was the biggest influence or has been, was actually the, you know, the most, the biggest influence on my life. She really, she really was. She was always very supportive. Um, you know, I had a few awful boyfriends when I was younger and things and she was just like, absolutely not, get rid immediately. And, you know, she was always lovely. And if I ever kind of had a few late nights and things and with my friends going into town, I would always stay at her house. And, you know, she was yeah. just very cool and very amazing. Yeah, I'm the same. I love my name. Yeah, they're good, aren't they? <laughs> Just really good people. Um, you went to study at Roehampton University. Yeah. What did you go and study? <laughs> Drama and theatre studies. Oh, look at you. <laughs> um, you were built for a podium. I know, right? <laughs> um, I didn't actually finish university. Same here. I I mean, let's. I mean, I didn't even start, really. So right. I guess the time I, I went to university was, what, I don't know, 15 years ago or something crazy. Sure. So at that time, there weren't really what we have now. So that these sort of professional apprenticeships. So there wasn't an option for someone who had you know a good set of a levels there was no option other really than applying your to, to university and doing ucas forms so that for me i just kind of did it i didn't really want to go knew that i kind of obviously wanted to get a job as soon as possible anyway applied to ucas got into Roehampton, kind of wanted to go to bath but ended up i thought i kind of want to go to london yeah. and kind of be back in london so i actually ended up getting a job <laughs> quite soon into starting my university career in Ooh. PR and property PR and sales um and that was a so that was the age of 18 and I then had to sort of inform my university that I wasn't going to lectures yeah. and that I needed to leave so within the first term I I left I quit and I kind of got this job and property kind of sales and PR would be a career I would stay with for the next sort of 10 years Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. My I, parents did I not do it that way. I decided to do the complete other <laughs> way. I did the other way, which was I left about a month on. Yeah. Like a month left. Mm. I was like, yeah. Oh, wow. So like, you yeah. really went in yeah, and then I just... I really hate this degree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trust I just me. think, yeah. I feel like you made the better yeah. decision than I Definitely. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I just don't want to be like sat with a load of debt for a career that I'm mm. not... That I, I loved, you know, drama and, and, and singing and things. But it was never going to be something I, I, I feel to work in that career, you've got to love it. Like you've got sure. to love it 100% and be completely um, tunnel visioned about it. And I, that was just never going to be me. You know, yeah. I love going to the theatre now. But it ain't going to be a career for me. No. It's just not. Because it's physically demanding as well Completely. as like every other yeah. demand I mean, it would be. <laughs> my job is physically demanding now. Yeah. But yeah, in- it's, it's just in a different way. I think you have to be so soul focused on it. And that just mm. wasn't for me. It's so funny because it's so adjacent to what you ended up doing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> There's absolutely an, an element of performance to the kind of work that we do now. Um, you know, potentially more so because it's quite a raw place, I think, sometimes coming to classes. But yeah. And you don't get to talk to the actors like five minutes no. before or five minutes after no. their performance. So. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I get to prod you and be like, yeah, hey, Hannah, come on in. <laughs> no, I'm always, no. And that, that, that's the nice thing, I think, really, about that kind of performance is that you do, you build a community and you build a rapport with, with people that come to you. And it's lovely. Yeah. Whereas I did fitness management and personal training. So yeah. I still ended up in fitness by, <laughs> complete, by complete accident. Um, 
how was your experience early on with marketing and PR? I loved it. I had some very, very happy times. I had some wonderful experiences. Um, I, I think because I started in it so young, I, you know, I was quite senior quite, quite early on in my sure. career. I took a break, actually, a break. <laughs> I went on, I went travelling. I mean, who takes a break at 24? It's just not a break, is it? Great, I love it. I know. Um, I actually decided to leave, well, I decided to leave. I had an opportunity to go and um, travel for about, uh, about eight months when I was 24. Ooh. So I took it, I kind of did some work in Taiwan, in Hong Kong, and then kind of bit of bit more of Asia and then kind of had about four months in South America which was incredible I don't really feel at the time I appreciated it enough mm. but it's been one of those things that's really um I, I reflect on it often sure. and I think it did kind of make yeah I, kind of, I, I think I learned a lot and kind of a few of the opinions I have now were very much formed on that on that trip but I, I, I loved it as well as working in London as I say I got to work in kind of Hong Kong and Singapore Kuala Lumpur so all these places that I wouldn't have potentially gone to and obviously meeting a completely eclectic bunch of people that were just wonderful and many who I'm still friends with now but it was lovely it was an interesting time to be in property I was there for I was in it when the obviously first first recession happened um which was a quite a scary time but yeah you kind of get through it somehow international woman of mystery well this is just something you didn't know about me huh I had no idea that you were going to say. Yeah, I was cool. I was, yeah, I was quite cool what at one point. you cool? You are cool. <laughs> yes, you, you are cool. <laughs> Did you find that that work in like marketing and PR helped you early on when you were going into PC one work? 100%. Mm. 100%. I think without having that marketing, you know, PR experience, there's no way I don't think I would have had the bottle to go self-employed as quickly as I did. Sure. I did about three months on sort of gym floor and then was like, nah, this isn't for me. I need to do it for myself. Um, but really, I think without having that network of contacts journalists but also the kind of skills that PR gives you in terms of building a rapport with people and kind of nurturing relationships I don't I really feel that my first career gave me the option gave me a, yeah. a an, an in into doing it which is so funny because I, I read an interview that you did <laughs> and I find this so interesting because you know as humans we judge people and I like in my head I look at you and I'm like Hannah really confident really assured really not at all I, I know <laughs> not at all and you mentioned yeah. about the idea of it was I believe the question was something to the effect of if you could give younger Hannah a piece of advice mm. what would it be and you were to feel like I want to quote it actually but um <laughs> one thing I would have advised was I wish I would had have been a bit less nervous yeah. and left the gym floor earlier yeah and first of all, I was like, I can't imagine Hannah ever not being <laughs> confident. And secondly, this idea of being aware straight away, being like, I don't mm. really, this isn't the environment for mm. me that I feel like I'm going to be successful in. Mm. And kind of just ref- like, how is it to reflect on that and be like, I wish I'd been a bit more confident to leave the gym for earlier? Yeah, I mean, I the, the only thing I think that I have regret about not leaving a little bit earlier, I actually think it was close to six months actually I left. I can't, mm. I can't remember now. Yeah. Um, but I think the only thing that, I have regret for is the fact that it went so well so quickly and it would have been lovely to have more time just enjoying where I'm at now but really I think you know I did learn a lot about gym gym floor skills like there is literally nothing that will bring you back to earth quicker than you know having a a good job and the salary and all the thing that comes with it and then going straight back to working literally for minimum wage on a gym floor environment there is nothing that will give you a kick in the ass quicker than that and kind of really level you and realize that this career that I wanted so desperately in fitness is a lot of hard work it's a lot of hard work it gave me so much um, drive actually to get 
to do my own thing quite quickly but yeah no I, I guess yeah I guess that whole thing about kind of nervousness and kind of backing yourself is so much about what I preach now with my my client base that yeah I, I, it comes from a place of having experienced it myself yeah yeah that makes a lot more sense it's just mm. yeah I, I feel bad because you do just have these judgments and I guess theories of like how a person thinks I guess that's my GCSE drama coming through there yeah, you know yeah. <laughs> fake, fake it till you make it <laughs> completely <laughs> but I think there's so much to be said for that as well mm, I agree you know I've always just been the kind of person and I, I read something somewhere and I wish I could remember where I'd read it it was years ago and it was something about around the idea of just saying yes and working it out later and that is completely what I do for any option or any opportunity I'm given I don't care if I haven't got time to do it or I don't know how to do it I will literally just say yes and just work it out and I think that's just been such good said not just in fitness but in all areas of my life I honestly think just say yes work it out it's the best thing you'll ever do for yourself yeah I completely agree I think it's more so that you're surprised at what you can get done yeah or what you you can do Mm -hmm. yeah we have to get it done yeah exactly uh, yeah there'll be a you'll there'll be a point where where it's done yeah it might be horrendous until you get there but it will be done it's like what I say during classes right yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it's exactly how I feel in every single one of your classes wow I just got to get to about 42 43 minutes and I'm there (laughs) you made the decision to work with purely female clients yeah and of course i guess initially people just think like well first of all how do you feel when people say you cut off half of your potential client base i mean it's just obvious isn't it that that's potentially what what i'm doing i mean it's it's, 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 it drives me mad really because i feel like it's quite a lazy assumption to make that you have to build any business relying on men (laughs) um you know and and it it sounds a bit of a mad thing but for me i think it's quite um a lazy criticism i think uh, early on i kind of got a few comments like oh well obviously you can't work with men because you're not a good pt or you can't you're not experienced enough or you don't what understand them like what men want from a fitness instructor and actually it was none of those things like I know I'm a skilled PT and I'm an experienced PT now and I think at the time I took quite a canny decision to really make a niche and to make a name for myself in the area of fitness I wanted to work in what I didn't want to do is be all things to all people and then suddenly you're just a generic PT like thousands and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with working with men and women obviously but I but for me I really want to differentiate a little bit where I could and kind of work in the way I wanted to work with people I wanted to work with women who potentially had some history of disordered eating or some kind of complex relationship with exercise or they just had enough of diet culture bullshit and just wanted to bring it back to a place of focusing on fitness that is what I wanted to do that's how I wanted to work with people and frankly I didn't see any other point in messing about and kind of think oh that's what I want to do but I'll do that next year I just wanted to do it from the beginning and it was a you know you do you get cutting off 50% of your client base well or creating 100% of the people you want to work with which is kind of how I chose to look at it yeah really and it's this assumption that, that every single girl like for every single woman that wanted to work with you a man wanted to work with you yeah and that's just not the truth yeah like in any situation yeah of course so for me I always found that funny when people were like don't you when people would ask when I'd heard you do interviews and stuff and it's like is that not what you thought and it's like no that's not, not where my head went at no, all no it wasn't I, I never I never saw it as a negative thing I never saw thought I never sort of had you know, thought about it and thought oh actually I'm losing clients because I wasn't <laughs> the first question that actually came to my mind which I'm going to ask you was 
What benefits came from setting your intentions that early on with your PT work? I think it makes you, I think it clearly defines your business plan. I think it narrows, I think you save a lot of time by not kind of, as I say, going, trying to be all things to all people and going, um, you're killing yourself trying to find, trying to be this part, this kind of PT to this kind of person, having to change your personality and adapt to working with someone else. I think you save a lot of time by just drilling down, doing exactly what you want to do as I say, it clearly defines your, your path into a business, particularly essential when you're self-employed. Sure. And yeah, I think it just gives you a, a much more clearer focus. Like if, if, you, if that's what you want to do, if that's the aim of your business, do it from the outset. Don't do it in six months time. Literally set your business that way from the get-go. And it will be a bit of a hairy couple of months maybe, you know, but that's the importance, I guess, of having, putting some things into place before you go self-employed, i.e. Right. savings or whatever. That's another thing I don't get, think gets talked about enough, the financial side of things. But yeah, just I just saved time. Just saved a lot of time. Yeah, I was going to say that actually because for me anyway, I'm very purpose-driven in terms of it. I picked a podcast and that's, it's just financially not what you'd go to, right? Like yeah. if you were looking to go self-employed, you wouldn't start with a podcast. You, you just wouldn't. It's, <laughs> The worst way to make money in terms of, you know, you have to basically just sell out your platform if you want to yeah. do the advertising stuff early on, right? Which I probably won't end up doing. So, you, but you mentioned how there's this like idea that, oh, you should be purpose driven and that you were like unapologetically like, no, 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 I'm financially driven. Like, it, yeah. it provides me a security that, yeah. that I want for me and my family. I think I'm definitely, I, I would say, yes, I'm financially driven, absolutely. But I, Definitely, I'm also. I, th- I think I'm very much both. Yeah. I think purpose driven in terms of this is an authentic thing in terms of like how I work with women. Like it's literally how I am. What well, you know me in real life. Um, it's how I like to be. It's how I always have been. So definitely, I'm purpose driven. But equally, I have a son to support. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm unapologetic about the fact that I want to be successful. I want to have my own things. I want to be secure. Um, I don't want to have to rely on anybody else. There's this thing. I, actually, a, a brilliant idea I love that's kind of aimed at women. It's called a fuck off fund. Right. Okay. I like it. <laughs> and it just basically means that over the years over the months whatever you have you kind of create a pool of money or a savings thing that should you need to leave a bad relationship or leave a shitty job or something you are able to do so and you're not kind of financially trapped by your choices and I think that's something that I've always had in the back of my mind I heard that phrase years ago and it's just again that's been something that's kind of driven me in terms of financial but also my son is my number one priority always will be and very much is giving him the best experience I I can ultimately something that means being away from him more than I'd like but there we are so a fuck off fund he, yeah the imaginary takes notes absolutely I like it. do it I really it's love really, it it's really it's a huge thing um, I actually found it re- first of all the reason I bought it out was because I found it really refreshing for someone to be honest it's like <laughs> look we do want to make money of at course. some point right we're not here like you know. but it's 2019 like we're yeah. not apologising for being successful Completely. as women in 2019 especially, especially no in way. a capitalistic exactly. market exactly but that leads me on to a really interesting question that you brought up about your son who he's hilarious and I love him very much <laughs> he's a joy um, you mentioned how there was a post that you had on Instagram that it sat with it sat with me because I was raised by a single mum yeah but and it's this idea that that you do occasionally feel guilt about mm. building this business and it's trying very to find so. it's more so that it's that balance of spending time with your son whilst yeah. also building a life that's financially stable and everything yeah and the question that came up to, came to my mind is like how is that like balancing that set of emotions it's difficult I mean the only saving grace with it really is that my my mother my son's grandmother is I mean she she does so much childcare and helps me so much and physically I couldn't do anything without her sure. um 
yeah she's just there all the time and I think in terms of the guilt I think it a lot well I would say all of it is not all of it but most of it is alleviated by the fact that I know he is with someone that I trust wholeheartedly he is very secure there and he is safe with her you know I haven't got to worry if I'm running late that I'm not going to get fined by the child mind or whatever and you know that that I can't deny that's a huge benefit you know I, I you know I, it saves me a hell of a lot of money on childcare and all these all these little things that are really important um but yeah it, if the guilt is always going to be there um I do I am aware that I'm away a lot you know I try and obviously to have protect days I'm at a point now where I can protect days and kind of make sure I take time off particularly since he started school I want to be there for pickups and drop-offs where I can but I my nature of my job is that I do have to work early mornings I do have to work some evenings so there are times that I'm not there but yeah if it wasn't for my mum I I honestly don't know what I would what I would do well I, I couldn't I couldn't have done anything without her so yeah my mum's the, the exact same I spent, yeah, we're very lucky. The funny thing is, I used to call my nan mum and my mum Anna until I was like six. <laughs> Whereas I like I saw my mum every now and then, but she was working doubles and worked yeah. at airports. So it was shift work. And then, yeah, I spent loads of time with my nan. And obviously my mum called my nan mum and everyone mm. called my mum Anna. So, mm. But I think that benefit of having like another another like female presence in my life was like really beneficial yeah I I think I just kind of hope that as as my son grows up he I'm hoping he won't you know be aware of of me being away too much but I kind of want to provide like quite a positive experience for him in terms of working women I want him to know that that is a reality particularly in you know this economy that we have to have our own things and I hope that he will ultimately be sort of you know more respectful about that kind of thing and ultimately a more supportive partner husband father growing up um um, yeah yeah well I said it to you at the time in terms of it it becomes like that shapes your mentality for me anyway as a young boy like mm. you end up like admiring and that being like a massive part of you know if you're seeking a partner like yeah ambition because it's like, that's what I want I would love yeah. him to find whoever his partner is as he as he grows up I would like him to be supportive and you know not trying to ever you know diminish anyone's ambition it's really yeah. important to me I just find I'll kill so him if he does <laughs> <laughs> You use your platform a lot to empower women, which I love. (laughs) Was that something that came with time in terms of being more confident in like what your Mm. beliefs were? Or do you feel like it was just like, look, this is what I believe in from, you know, day one of me doing this and bang. I think it's always been quite organic. I think with my Instagram and my Twitter and all my, my everything, all the interviews I've ever done and things, I think if you scroll back, you know, six months, a year, two years, the message hasn't changed. Like it's always the same. It hasn't been this kind of thing that, you know, I used to be really fat phobic and I'm gone on this huge journey and I'm not, I don't, <laughs> mine's, mine's not like that at all. Like I've always been a supporter of all women, of all body types, of all body shapes. And I think my yeah I just I, th- I think it it, te- it has come a little bit of com- with confidence um, in terms of actually particularly putting in opinions on Instagram that are there then for people to disagree with to you know pick over and comment or whatever um, but I think that's also come with age I think kind of being in my 30s I'm much more confident about my beliefs now I think and more secure in them so if someone wants to disagree with me that's cool like I, I don't take that personally they might have a different view fine that doesn't change what mine is and I'm never going to apologize for believing the way I do about fitness and for standing you know I w- will not tolerate any form of kind of fact behavior any racist behavior home none of it and again I think it's just definitely a confidence thing with an age thing I think and a maturity perhaps but my messaging has never changed yeah. I've always believed the same thing and there's no way you're in your 30s so oh well <laughs> Luca <laughs> that's our story we're taking through huh? <laughs> becoming a mum 
yeah. while setting up a business. Yeah. Did that change? Did becoming a mum change like your? I want to say outlook because of course it changed the day-to-day process mm. of what it would be if you weren't a mum. Mm. But do you feel like it changed your perspective at all of like how you were with people or in any sense of the way? Yeah, I think it made me a lot softer really? actually. I think obviously being a mum, you know, again is, is incredibly grounding and it's the most wonderful, it's the hardest and most wonderful thing I've ever done in completely equal measure. I think, it, yeah, I think it just kind of made me a lot softer. It gave me an extra bit of a, a drive and extra motivation to make sure it had to be successful. Um, and yeah, I think he's given me a lot of joy. I think he made me a little bit calmer maybe as well. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's been a, whole, a sort of positive experience on how I want to shape a brand, definitely. Which is so interesting. Yeah. That calmness softer yeah they're like two words you would never imagine someone being like yeah i became a mum and became way calmer and softer yeah right? like you'd expect it to be more it's stressful. not easy but i mean yeah. you know there's definitely been been more stressful points particularly as he's got older we've you know we have a lot of fun together it's just it's just been you know a, an absolute joy and he's only getting funnier as he gets older and it's just been <laughs> lovely yeah it is you know it's not easy but definitely a softness and a calmness there definitely <laughs> um another thing that you said which i really loved in this interview was how you said it's been advantageous to be a female in the fitness industry. Mm. And I was like, oh, God, that's really that? lovely. Gosh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they said, like, <laughs> how have you found it being a female in the fitness industry? And you said it's actually probably been advantageous. Yeah, potentially. And I, I think um, there, there there are a couple of reasons why, yeah. why, why I think that. The first one is obviously because I want to work solely with women. I yeah. think ultimately... I think women potentially find female PTs a little bit less aggressive. This is a huge generalization. A little bit less aggressive, a little bit um, just more willing to listen and to kind of take what the client wants rather than just kind of forcing an idea or a way of working that the PT believes in. So I think we're we're maybe a little bit more empathetic and and, and up for listening. Um, And I kind of think the second reason that it's it's advantageous is again, just kind of creating this environment of kind of safety and security. So women can come to you and just feel that there isn't any judgment. And if they're gonna, I don't know, fail a rep or not do something perfectly, or they can just come and you know what, I feel a bit shit today. Can we just bring it back? There's no judgment or guilt or anything like that. So I I, I do think in my section of, my sector of the of the industry it's it's been advantageous because it's the kind of due to the build kind of business i want to i want to build yeah on the whole it's been all right yeah no (laughs) because i enjoyed it because well once again i'm going to continue the theme of extreme generalizations Mm. i feel like firstly that female i guess gym goer is more likely to be a patron of personal training i feel that a guy's ego is more likely to get in the way. He's more yes. likely to try and just figure that shit out on yeah, his own. Yeah, completely. And be like, no, I don't need PT. And like, fuck that. Like, yeah, I, and lift I know. more than they think. And the form is horrible and all that kind of thing. Yeah, 100%. I get it. And I feel also being a female trainer, like this is an extension of what you said. There's this idea of that, I don't know, maybe I've just found female, commun- like the communication process better. Yeah. Even as a dude, I'm saying, like in terms of I've been, the way that I've been communicated by by the majority of female trainers mm. has been way more positive yeah. or that there's been more of an emphasis. I think we have a different emphasis. set of skills. In, it's, you know, it's not yeah. wrong or right. It's just no. a different way of communicating, listening, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just... Uh, so when you said it, as much as it's kind of surprised <laughs> you that you did say it, I agreed with it and it made me more curious to be yeah. like kind of why you thought that way because I I believe in that. Mm. I also got raised by a single mum so I've always felt yeah. like I'm more receptive to mm. a female 
I guess false. But then, but then sometimes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) In every sense of the word, I think. I think sometimes in maybe men again kind of across classes maybe more than pt maybe find it a bit much being told to do what by, by a female sometimes sure. and again that's a generalization and it yeah, is no, not many of the men that i come across with but i think sometimes in dig me or other other studios i've taught at there is this whole thing about oh being told what to do by a woman and yeah. like you know that's their journey to go through but that's the only place that sometimes i can feel a bit um yeah a little bit intimidated maybe yeah whereas I've had like great women bosses like yeah. great women teachers I just like, think it's a different set of skills yeah but you know but, 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 but women can be difficult as, as well of course obviously yeah. um you know, but yeah, I just think it's a different a different set of skills sometimes, maybe. I completely agree. You've been very vocal about <laughs> anti- Me? Vocal about something? No, no surely no not. way. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, yeah, you know, just prod out the one thing that you <laughs> sure. probably despise the most, which is the kind of fad diet. Yeah, 100%. And I, I phrased culture. it as extreme life choices, in quotations. Mm. Um, but you know what? It, it, it is extreme because some of the things I see people doing are extreme, mm-hmm. but they have become... But they've become so normalized within diet culture that people don't see it as madness and it frankly it's yeah it's it's difficult like people seem to have this set of self-imposed rules that they've come up with over years all by themselves and they don't even often realize they are these rules are even there so it's little things like oh i can't eat after six or i can't eat carbs after six or i can't eat that because i'm going out for dinner later or i can't have a glass of wine there's these like little kind of rules all the time that again people just kind of create over years it comes from diet culture it comes from being fed bullshit all day through the media through whatever and yeah it just this this whole thing i i kind of work with obviously women and they sometimes come to me and they've been on diet for 10 years 20 years you know and the very first thing i tend to do with clients is just take them off this wagon they don't even realize they're on half of the time and just say give yourself permission give yourself permission that you're a grown woman you're in charge of your own choices if you want to eat x y and z do it like take off these all these rules relax them and that can be really scary it can be a really really scary step when you've been quite regimented or you feel like you've had some form of some form of structure from these rules that you've created without even realizing it that didn't actually come from you have come from diet culture and then you suddenly relax come off them it can always be more scary mm. because you've lost that rigidity from your life suddenly yeah because there are some people that are like you know maybe they've been on like something like swimming world or exactly you know, for like 20 years exactly and it's exactly like you've then got to like break down 20 years of yeah that and that- of, of and also complete nonsense in terms of nutritional science yeah. non like utter nonsense it drives that yeah that's <laughs> i've been quite vocal about those years you know but it, yeah it's just about kind of retraining your brain to just live kind of tuning back into those intuitive eating signals like if you're hungry it's okay to eat you don't have to fight it you don't have to like to have a glass of water wait 10 minutes and then see if you're still hungry it's like to stop yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it for me i just feel like we are so lucky and i you know a movement and kind of eating having access to eat whenever you want and having I, I actually think that being on a diet is such a huge privilege given yeah. the, you know the state of the world particularly yeah. you know with how much restriction how much suffering there is isn't it a luxury to think I'm actually going to try and eat less like what a luxury what a wonderful thing you know we actually have and I just think the same with the same with movement again we're so very fortunate to go and do spinning classes or go and run or whatever I just think sometimes I think we need to just have a bit of a, a check-in with reality and kind of what's important what isn't 
and I think sometimes we think we lose I do like we all do yeah, we all yeah. lose sight of it of how how just very I've you know how very lucky we are I think to have the choice to actually eat less yeah I completely and agree diet, yeah and then you've got this dynamic of it's you're working with adults and it's harder yeah. to break a habit with Completely. an adult because it's years of like repetition yeah, right absolutely and years of self-torture and self-punishment and that's obviously where the exercise um behavior bits and bobs can come in you know in terms of using exercise for punishment or because you're going out for dinner later so you need to do a super hard workout at lunchtime to you know to kind of this whole thing about earning food and earning rest days and cheat days and burning yeah it's just exhausting yeah, it's yeah. mentally exhausting as well as physically so yeah the only bonus i've found from training really hard in the morning and going out later is that i usually end up getting more pissed at that night so. <laughs> yeah absolutely and do you know what actually training in the morning makes me more productive i find yeah if i kind of do if i kind of move in the morning it does make me kind of get my stuff together for the rest of the day definitely 100 percent I'm going to go down a weird rabbit hole that I didn't expect to go down. Okay. I always forget that you're like a big fan of running. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and which is really rare. Yeah. And I've Huge really. Huge fan. And I've Huge. really struggled with it. Yeah. Especially playing team sport where I like. Yeah. They always just be like, yeah, try and go like on a run a week. And I was like, yeah, that ain't going to happen. Mm. I'll just train harder at training. Yeah. And hope for the best. Yeah. But what have you found that running's given you? mental clarity and time to think i do all my thinking on running and on runs like i i um there's a, a another kind of business model um in the offing and it came uh, it was something i came up with on a run and yeah i just find that my my kind of my favorite things to do is drop my little boy to school and then i'll go for a run straight away and it kind of sets me up for the day really well um obviously unless it's raining then absolutely <laughs> not just to be very clear but yeah i just find it gives me a bit of clarity it kind of sets me up for the day as i say i do a lot of kind of thinking on runs it's the only time I don't take my phone with me um I have no distractions and it's just uh, just the best feeling it's just like just run like I'm not really going for time or for anything when I'm doing kind of post-school drop-off runs but it's just yeah it's really really I, I do races now and again but yeah I, I I kind of you know give a lot of I guess gratitude to running for coming up with some cool ideas and also just giving me space and also I find it very calming as well which sounds mad considering it's quite an exertion but yeah I just find that I'm in a much better mood and all sorts yeah what would you say is the biggest misconception that you come across with your work that actually this, this, I was asked this at another panel a couple of weeks ago biggest misconception for me like towards me personally and my personal client base and how I work with people is that it is an easy thing to do and it's an easy way of training people and then it's not a skilled I come across this a lot and then it, I'm not a skilled a PT that I don't have the same amount of knowledge, that I don't, that I'm not as technical, and that I'm just basically not as good as a PT as someone who is training for aggressive fat loss. I come across that a lot, and I think the reasons are is because women come to me. We kind of work on fitness. I can see, I can, I track their their progress. I know they're progressing, but I think now and again, if there isn't, and it's quite a, you know a sad misconception, because there's not always a huge aesthetic change. I think people are like, oh, well, actually, what do you do? And also, I think I have a hell of a lot of fun with my, my clients yeah. in sessions. We laugh, we have fun. Like, it's it's not, I hope very much that they come looking forward to kind of spending time together, not just working out. And yeah, I come across that a lot, that the way that we train isn't as difficult or as challenging as someone who's going for a sort of aggressive fat loss approach. So this is, not to, <laughs> this is not to, dem- to place a high value on, I guess, qualifications. Of course. But... Can you tell the listeners just how many different qualifications you have that are fitness perspective? <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my goodness. So I have um, obviously level two, level three personal training. I did a Kaiser qualification for cycling. I'm pre and postnatal trained. I did a boxing qualification. I did a kettlebell qualification. I'm studying for level four. Um, what else do I have? Oh, I'm sure there's a few others in there. Yeah. So like TRX, like loads, yeah, yeah. a few others. So that's what I mean. So like I have, and I'm also, I'm, yeah, so I'm kind of going for level four at the moment. I also did um, GP referral, which is something I wanted to do. I work with a lot of chronic pain conditions. Sure. So that's something I really wanted to do. So yeah, I think the thing... If for all for all PTs I think it's really important that you kind of do your level two and three and then that's not the end of your journey like CPD 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 all day long until the day you're not a PT anymore it's so important yeah the thing is I never I didn't I wanted to put that in a way that made you as comfortable as possible yeah, saying, yeah I've got plenty of qualifications mm. shut the fuck up yeah basically <laughs> that's kind of what I feel like saying a lot of the time <laughs> like when people just think that I kind of just dick about and have fun with my clients I'm like well this this is the kind of qualification experience and experience now to back it up yeah it's more just a testament to how you make fitness seem it seems like you're dicking about and having fun yeah i mean most of the time i am but you know yeah but you're making (laughs) fitness fun which is yeah there's there's a a very considered element like all my sessions are programmed like i certainly don't just get into the gym and just kind of wing it like i know exactly what the goal is for that client every single session every every time they come in they set foot in the gym Yeah. yeah it's this idea of smart people make complicated things sound simple and idiots make simple things sound complicated. <laughs> like this, yeah, I, that's how I always envision it. And that particular quote, I yeah, think, has always resonated like with me because it's this idea of like, yeah, you can have a busy fool, right? Yeah. So I love, yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. Yeah. How do you feel about questions about work-life balance? I mean, <laughs> we discussed this earlier. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just, I think when you're self-employed, work-life balance is just not the same thing that it is when you're employed and it just it won't be like you can say oh I switch my phone off and I kind of practice meditation on the headspace app between like seven and eight and not you know it just doesn't work like that he rolls eyes (laughs) you know like it just it isn't a thing like that's not fair no it is it it is a thing and by no means do I think people should be burning themselves out working 24 7 but the reality is I'm self-employed I do some form of work every single day day it might be replying to an email that's come in and it, it might take me 10 minutes yeah. it might be replying to a client inquiry programming prepping my classes but i do do some form of work every single day it's certainly not all day every day like i say it might yeah. be 10 minutes an hour when i'm sitting there and you know watching dreadful netflix stuff <laughs> on my laptop but there is some form of work i have to do every day um and for me that's the, the trade-off of being self-employed and being employed and you know doing the, exactly the type of work i want to do on my terms that's the trade-off I think what's difficult to do is make sure I'm not physically teaching every day so I certainly don't teach classes or PT every day but I have admin and bits and bobs to do I think as I say work-life balance yeah it's just it's it's fine it should be something you aspire to but it's it's not always achievable no and I just feel like it's just Really, it's a mirage. It's this idea of like yeah. you're looking at something being like. But I feel yeah. like that's another pressure as well. Yeah. I, you know, I, you know, you have to kind of be seem to be working really hard, but also have this kind of great work life balance. Yeah. Like no, which is <laughs> like, bollocks. Like yeah, it is a bit. In terms of that, really resonates with me. You saying I do something every day. Yeah, this every po- day. Like this podcast, look, it doesn't pay me any money, but I promise you, something as simple as like shit, I need to listen to like you know someone have this interview or yeah. whatever or think about guests or mm. honestly like 
I showed it to my friend and he laughed. Like my my notepad is like a serial killer mindset. Like if you looked at it, you'd be like, "What the, f- what the actual fuck is he doing?" Like, yeah, it's like I'm thinking about dates, guests, yeah, all the time. It's you never re- I've never switched off. Like, no, since this has come, there's always something I'm thinking of mm. to make it better or improve mm. it. Right, but, but I th- I think that's quite a natural thing when you're passionate and, and excited and, and you generally are in love with something. Like I am in love with the work that I do. My clients are my whole life, and as well as as well as my son, obviously. But mm-hmm. they are so important to me, and I care deeply about each and every single one of them. I care deeply about every single class I teach. You might not be aware of. Oh yeah, we, we might we. Might have spoken this about before but i'm nervous every single time i teach every single time so interesting i put on that microphone and we have that few minutes before we open the doors i'm nervous i'm thinking because i don't know who's going to come through the door that day i don't know you know the lights might break whatever might go i do get butterflies but i think that's that comes from a place of caring so deeply about something and i think the second you lose that fear or you lose that passion there's probably time to do something else you know yeah Oh, that is so interesting because it's something that you hear about. Yeah. I'd, do you know what? I think that would be really refreshing for other teachers and instructors mm. to hear. Oh, every, like I've taught for years, years and years and years. I've taught, I don't know, thousands of classes and every single time that door is open, I'm nervous. Every time. Without, without, without question. I think that that's probably way more common than anybody thinks. Oh, yeah. Like the, yeah, so funny. Any time, like I asked, I asked a question at a Q&A as a listener of an event and was terrified had the question all in my head yeah asked the question they were like that's a really great question yeah. and i was like we do that though we always so like funny. kind of self-criticize before giving any opinion or anything i think it just comes from a fear of kind of being told we're wrong or kind of told we're stupid or that's a silly thing to say but i think the majority of the time if you're nervous about something other people will be too and also that question you thought about i bet so many other people were thinking it too yeah we're just always so scared to take that first little leap and make ourselves vulnerable i think it comes from a fear of vulnerability as well 100 percent yeah but yeah i find it so interesting yeah because we haven't spoke i don't think we've spoken about that before no it's probably because i'm in the room being terrified before you come in (laughs) it's not even that but i remember you were changing changing over recently and i think i spoke to you a bit before yeah i feel bad about that no you're (laughs) be like leave hannah alone she's trying to settle down um okay this is an interesting question i apologize for putting you in a stressful place momentarily all right what instagram trends terms he puts in a you know he puts in a what a quotation marks yeah frustrate you the most i've got a couple they're probably Mm. quite wild different yeah okay the first one is no rest days okay Yeah, yeah and i just think that's some madness I just think elite athletes have rest days. I don't know why we have to kind of feel that if we're not grinding or we're not pushing ourselves super hard, like your experience in fitness isn't valid. And I'm just like, not here for that. I think, you know, I have rest days. Christ, if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to to function. So no rest days really stresses me out. The second one, and it is not a movement that I am part of. It's a movement that I'm empathetic with. And, you know, I I support wholeheartedly. But it's actually, it's not a hashtag. It's misuse of a hashtag. And it's misuse of the hashtag body positivity or BOPO. Mm -hmm. And because I think people are 
still equating body positivity and body confidence as the same thing and they are just not they're not the same thing you know you can absolutely be confident in your body but body positivity is a movement for marginalized women and you know to have some sort of very slim fitzbo being like body positivity it drives me nuts (laughs) and i just think all those work that those women did to start that movement and to push it to the place it's become now for it then to be hijacked by other women who haven't taken the time sorry it gets me so angry who haven't taken the time or given it the respect to actually kind of bother to learn about the roots of it I just think it drives me nuts so yeah it's not it's not the hashtag itself it's the way it's being misused and continues to be misused yeah Every single day on Instagram. I feel good about this one breathe. thing. No, no, no. I feel good because I've sandwiched it with a question that I actually will make you way happier. Okay. But I was like, let me ask like one good question and do the crap sandwich. Like, good question, really bad question, good question. Have you had any like proud mum moments with your boy oh, in terms of like... So many. Yeah. In terms so of like many. what you've built and you... Look, you attack your life probably way different to most mums in terms of the idea of... Look, I'm a businesswoman and I've placed mm. a real emphasis on that. And like, if there have been any ones that, because you, first of all, fitness, that yeah. I, that aspect comes of it, but mm. also building a business. Is there anything that you've looked at him and gone, oh my God, he's picked that up because I've decided to go that way with my life? I don't know. I don't know, really. I think in terms of like, of oh, the relationship we have, he is a very confident little boy. Mm. He, actually, no, there is, there is one. Yeah. So he knows that I, I you know physical activity is, is part of my life um, years ago I used to train women at my house before I had the studio um, in, in London and he used to say are you going to exercise with your friends oh. and that's how he thinks that's what he thinks mummy does mummy <laughs> exercises mummy exercises with her friends for her job and I just love that because that's so you know to hear it so so kind of like authentically through the through the eyes of a, a child he's literally saying literally he's yeah. literally saying what he sees that I'm exercising with my friends yeah. and that it's true like I say I care about them deeply but I think for him to kind of realize that I was working I was kind of making women exercise but we were having fun I think that was kind of it for me that I was kind of like yeah he kind of completely gets what I do and that he can see that we're happy doing it and that was really nice so How does that I make guess you yeah feel? just super proud like super proud of him super proud that he's aware enough of that and it just makes you very happy that he is you know he, I'm hoping to give him a really good you know I guess model for exercise and how it should be and yeah I want him to kind of not grow up with any kind of dirt culture as much as I can and kind of shield him shield him from it but also be there to answer questions or to you know educate as much as possible really yeah Yeah, i just think it's that doesn't get spoken about enough i feel like there is these amazing women that are now building Mm. businesses we're in 2019 and that's a a really big reality yeah and you you never have the opportunity to be like oh do you have any proud like mum moments that come along with that it's like this idea of there's on the flip side though there's been lots of things i've missed um you know i haven't been there for every single I mean, I've I've been there for as much of it as, as I can be, but you know there have been like two days, three days go by, and I haven't seen him. Um, and again, this is why I'm so very grateful for for my mum being there. But yeah, there's there's been a lot I've missed. But like I say, I always and I used to feel almost apologetic, and I kind of used to downplay the fact that that you know I was I was working. I think more around family as well because I think my family were quite different in that they haven't always kind of kind of worked and have kind of you know just um, been been at home, and that that's fine, and that that's what worked for them. But also I. Think 
think for me, just being a mum, and this is such a hard thing to say as a mum, it's actually not enough. I love being at home with my son. It's my favourite thing to do, to just kind of sit and play dinosaurs or sharks or whatever. But actually, I need to have it something outside of it and I think actually having a focus outside of him makes me a better mum because I'm happy in all ways you know I kind of feel if I didn't have that fulfillment for my business and in my personal life that I don't know I just I think I'd be a little bit more unhappy I think or resentful yeah but absolutely and again as a mum it's a difficult kind of word to use but I think absolutely I was quite young when I had Charlie I was only 28 and I think yeah I think it is easy to kind of feel a bit resentful and your friends are all still going out and you're kind of you know potentially stuck at home so yeah and I I, I think I, I really hope that there are other women that know that it's okay to feel like that and actually to be able to have the kind of what's it's to say actually I love my son I need more yeah. and it doesn't make you a bad person it really doesn't no. so for <laughs> me that's so interesting because it's a uh, well firstly it's an aspect of my life I'm never I'm never going to have that in common with you ever <laughs> like unfortunately gender wise like I'm never going to have the idea of like a mother and son relationship yeah it's just really interesting to hear hmm. for me it is anyway Aww. complete 180 turn what endeared you to spin instructing so I have I've always loved spinning spinning yeah. and running are my, my two favourite things I did my first spin class nearly 20 years ago <laughs> no yeah you're not I was like 50 no, well I mean you know you know when I was five then um but yeah nearly nearly 20 years ago and um I actually I just loved it I loved everything about it I loved the fact that it was just about being powerful and kind of just pushing yourself just that little bit more and I've always just found it a very in a very fun way of, of switching off why I wanted to instruct was I guess kind of going more into obviously being PT it kind of gives you it gave me a nice bit of kind of base income particularly when I was starting but actually the reason I wanted to teach in a boutique studio in London is down to one of my friends called Ban so yeah my girl (laughs) so I did Ban's class in Fulham about over three years ago now Ban is a very dear friend of mine and she is also one of the best instructors I know like obviously myself included like I I just think I just think she's unbelievable I love her power I love her energy I love her no bullshit vibe and she is the instructor that actually made me think do you know what I want to do this and I want to kind of emulate you and everything that she's done so that's about three years ago um I was already qualified at this point to, to teach spin but that kind of made me want to do it a bit more and obviously then I started working at Digme I've worked abroad for Be Cool um in in Spain also so kind of doing oh, online yeah, coaching yeah. yeah so I kind of work for I'm contracted to Be Cool and and to Digme and it's just it's just a huge part of my life now I've learned so much from it it's my you know one of my favorite things to do and they're really but it is yeah it is from loving spin but but being an instructor was was down to ban and thinking like this is awesome you're awesome i want to be awesome too which <laughs> basically is, which is um which is another confirmation of like another strong woman that can inspire mm, absolutely someone down a whole I, and I, I don't actually think she i've said that to her before but she doesn't believe me but that is it's true <laughs> it's true she is the reason that i'm an an, an, an instructor at a boutique in london that's like the ban. most banned story ever to, yeah. to inspire someone to 100%. go on and do great and then 100%. not believe that it's true yeah it's so bad (laughs) (laughs) um one thing that i have found interesting about your fitness career was the fact that you've worked at different places Mm -hmm. and it's actually what my mindset would be if i ever approached that industry in terms of you get a lot of people that are like no no no, this is where i want to work and this is me but Mm -hmm. you've obviously been able to 
I guess I'm going to say the, the have the fortune. It takes a lot of graft, but to go mm. work at different businesses and yeah, and kind of go through their philosophy. What have you enjoyed? Or I think um, it's. Do you know what it's done? It's taught me the kind of instructor I don't want and the kind of environment I don't want to be at. Definitely, cool. there are a couple of Super studios compl- hugely. Obviously, with my first PT experience working for, I guess, kind of a, a, a more commercial gym, I was seeing a lot of stuff that I didn't agree with. I was seeing PTs, you know, kind of texting while they were clients were there putting clients on a treadmill for like 20 minutes like come like for an hour session like they can do that themselves yeah. unless there's a running reason or whatever yeah, 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 I agree. but inherently you know seeing pts going okay go on the warm up on the treadmill for cross train i'll be there in a minute no no awful so that whole environment wasn't for me so that gave me experience and then in terms of spinning i worked for two other studios before i was at digme and both of those are not experiences i ever want to repeat the classes themselves were fine it was more about the environment the way we were asked to instruct was not something that i agreed with actually there were things that i think were physically biomechanically very wrong about the way we were asked to be instructed to, to instruct um which obviously i refused to do so i left but yeah it's it's been good it's given me as i say experience of the kind of places i think i don't want to be at so when i found my studio my pt studio and when i found digme it was kind of like coming home almost i was thinking like all these years have led to the the environment i really want to be at (laughs) so something that i probably didn't think about too much until i thought of our interview because it's i've always seen you as a friend and i've never really i've never really thought of this before i think i've become more aware this year yeah um that as a man and as a white man especially there's a lot of causes that i probably should dedicate myself to more Mm -hmm. because of passion it's not i don't feel like oh a guilt but there is a slight guilt there but how can me as a man be an ally to kind of what you do and your movement what's the best way i guess this is kind of for any men that are listening how can you support someone like yourself that is like a female only trainer that's yeah very clearly like you know you've set your intentions it's like i want to empower women like how can we come along and be like yeah hannah you're fucking awesome like how do we help (laughs) i think more widely kind of just not judging on body type Mm -hmm. is the is the main thing so i think kind of getting away from you know looking at me as an instructor and kind of making an instant judgment on what my fitness level will be what my experience level be is so i think kind of taking body type and person away from each other there are so many things that that the men can do to kind of support women that would be the 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 an easy easy thing to do kind of like question if you're making an assumption kind of think about where that's come from how helpful it is um if it's positive or or not um there's there yeah i mean other things that there's really basic thing you can do is stop fucking catcalling women in the street stop doing it (laughs) like there's no need for it and yeah just leave women alone (laughs) like yeah so not kind of just things like not catcalling women kind of not making assumption on, on body type giving women the the freedom and to kind of if they if they're in the gym and they kind of want to try something don't bro them you know don't go over if someone's got their headphones in leave them the fuck alone like just give us the space and give us the respect actually that you would potentially give another man and i you probably don't even some people don't even realize they're doing it but i think a lot of these assumptions um that people that kind of men have in the gym are come from an unconscious place almost you know if you kind of i've had people when i've been in classes you know personally training and i pick up a kettlebell and i've had guys come over to me and be like oh do you know realize that's 20 kilos i'm like yeah 
I got it, you know? And again, I don't think it comes from a bad place all the time, but just kind of questioning your assumptions, working out why they're there, how helpful they are, giving women space, stop catcalling us if we're running down the road and just don't be a dick, basically. <laughs> it's like the best, the best way. I think that's good life advice generally, right? Yep. I don't be a dick, agree. generally. Yeah, yeah. no, I um, that serves for me and all of the men yeah. that are listening. What would you say is the most rewarding part of your work? Oh my god. Goodness me. So many oh, there's so many different elements to it. I think a lot of the, the genuine joy I get is spending time with, with these incredible women all day. So I kind of, you know, do about thirty hours a week of one on one time with with women and that really is kind of rewarding enough you kind of get to learn so much about them about their lives their passions what they're going through um at work personally but i think really the the main thing is when someone kind of leaves the session feeling or looking better not you know not aesthetically obviously but feeling happy looking lighter in their face in their demeanor and just kind of being happy to to see you and kind of I have clients that sometimes come to to session when they're not feeling 100% or not feeling well. And the fact that they still want to come, even though they might not perform to their best, I think that's the biggest compliment they'll ever give me. And I don't think they often realise like the impact that has on me and how happy that makes me. So yeah, I just, I think people actually wanting to spend time with you as a trainer is the most rewarding thing. And the friendships that I've made actually, and my clients have made between themselves is just, yeah, more than I ever could have dreamed of really. (laughs) I love it. One final question before we get to the final four. Yeah. What are your hopes and dreams going forward with everything you've got going on? So I would love to have my own studio or kind of space that kind of combines, I guess, more kind of therapy and counselling um, in terms of people who are recovering from either an eating disorder or an exercise compulsion and potentially some chronic pain management combined with obviously me kind of leading a fitness element I think the two are so intrinsically linked I think sometimes you know exercise can be something that can be very complicated for some people and it would be lovely to kind of have everything in the same section so we can kind of deal or kind of deal with we can kind of assist with the eating side of things combining that with exercise and kind of framing it in in all yeah all in the same kind of environment with like-minded people I would love to have that kind of service i think it's so needed um yeah, I agree. we'd really love to have that that would be awesome I love at it. some point some <laughs> point maybe next year <laughs> right before the final four questions yeah. please plug everything you've got going on so social wise is it at hannah lewin underscore yeah so my instagram, instagram is at hannah lewin underscore twitter i think the same yeah well it'll be in the show notes but <laughs> it's hannah lewin it's at hannah lewin and then my website is hannahlewinfitness.com um obviously you can come and ride with me at digme yeah. um i'm there about six times a week um i train female clients at elevate we're based at moorgate and there's some other stuff coming on later in the year oh, which will exciting. all be there yeah. yeah so please tune into everything that hannah has going on <laughs> Right, Hannah, we're going to get into the final four questions. Alrighty. They are our slightly deeper questions. Oh, jeez. Okay. So, final four questions. I mm-hmm. ask everybody that's been on the podcast this okay. one. There's been a slight change for season two. Okay. For one of the questions, but everything else, <laughs> everyone else has suffered through. All right. So, the first question, what's one thing that in your life that you're very proud of? My son. Yeah. Like, no, my son. No question. <laughs> there you go. Bang, quit off the, quit off the buzzer. Um... <laughs> What's one piece of life advice that you'd give to the listeners? Say yes. 
work it out art later say yes and then just work it out like if it's it like yeah if you've even been given the opportunity it means you can do it so just genuinely say yes and you will work it out you'll find a way Awesome. You'll have to, <laughs> literally. Um, what are the three characteristics slash personality traits that you would say you've built your life upon up to this point? Ambition, being hyper-organised as well. And I think empathet- like empathetic. I do think I have quite a high amount of, of empathy um, and I'm kind of willing to kind of look at other people's experiences and kind of not just assume. So I think those three are definitely things that, you know, have set me in good stead for, for right now. Awesome. The final one I have to read, so bear with me. Okay. Many years into the future, your time as Hannah Lewin is coming to an end. The person closest to you only has one sentence to describe you and your life here on Earth. What would you hope that would be? She made my life better, I hope. And I hope it would be my son saying that. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's such a beautiful way to end yeah. it. Oh, thank you so much for your time, Thank you Hannah. for having I really me. Appreciate it. Go thank support you for the beers. Hannah. Yeah, I know. We've had a good time. (laughs) But yeah, please go and support Hannah. I absolutely love her Instagram. So in particular, that's definitely one place. Have a lovely day, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Bye, everyone.